We come in our study to Ezekiel chapter 16. Let's open our Bibles. I'm going to read verses 1 to 43. A forsaken baby, a beautiful woman, and a brazen harlot. Ezekiel 16, 1 to 43. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out in the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew, matured, and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God that I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. And I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. But you trusted in your own beauty, played the harlot, because of your fame, and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. You took some of your garments and adorned multicolored high places for yourself and played the harlot on them. Such things should not happen nor be. You have also taken your beautiful jewelry from my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images and played the harlot with them. You took your embroidered garments and covered them, and you set my oil and my incense before them, also my food which I gave you, the pastry of fine flour, oil and honey which I, which I fed you. You set it before them as sweet incense. And so it was, says the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. 
Were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire? And in all your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, struggling in your blood. Then it was so, after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, says the Lord God, that you also built for yourself a shrine and made a high place for yourself in every street. You built your high places at the head of every road and made your beauty to be abhorred. You offered yourself to everyone who passed by and multiplied your acts of harlotry. You also committed harlotry with the Egyptians, your very fleshly neighbors, and increased your acts of harlotry to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you, diminished your allotment, and gave you up to the will of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. Moreover, you multiplied your acts of harlotry as far as the land of the traitor Chaldea, and even then you were not satisfied. How degenerate is your heart, says the Lord God, seeing you do all these things, the deeds of a brazen harlot. You erected your shrine at the head of every road and built your high place in every street, yet you were not like a harlot because you scorned payment. You are an adulterous wife who takes strangers instead of her husband. Men make payment to all harlots, but you made your payments to all your lovers and hired them to come to you from all around for your harlotry. You are the opposite of other women in your harlotry because no one solicited you to be a harlot in that you gave payment, but no payment was given you. Therefore, you are the opposite. Now then, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your filthiness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your harlotry with your lovers and with your, all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children which you gave to them, surely, therefore, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure and those who loved and all those you hated. I will gather them from all around against you and I will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. And I will judge you as, as women who break wedlock or shed blood are judged. I will bring blood upon you in fury and jealousy. I will also give you into their hand. And they shall throw down your shrines and break down your high places. They shall also strip you of your clothes, take your beautiful jewelry, and leave you naked and bare. They shall also bring up an assembly against you. And they shall stone you with stones and thrust you through with their swords. They shall burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women. And I will make you cease playing the harlot, and you shall no longer hire lovers. So I will lay to rest my fury toward you, and my jealousy shall depart from you. I will be quiet and be angry no more, because you did not remember the days of your youth, but agitated me with all these things, surely... 
I will also recompense your deeds on your own head, says the Lord God, and you shall not commit lewdness in addition to all your abominations. So far, the reading of God's word. As you know, we are living in an age of many questionable movies where adulterous affairs and broken marriages are used as a means to entertainment. We are led to believe that extramarital sex is no big deal. In fact, Hollywood would have us believe that it can be not only exciting and rewarding, but also harmless. John and Susan fall in love. Even though Susan is already married, she is smitten by John's charm. One thing leads to the next until finally the two fall into into each other's arms and are intimately involved in a relationship. It seems Hollywood would have us believe that it is a thrilling and satisfying journey. The congregation, the Bible, gives us the opposite message. Proverbs 2 says that the house of an adulteress sinks down to death and her paths lead to the dead. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of Sheol, chapter 5. The Bible tells us that adultery is sin and always has dreadful consequences. The momentary pleasures of the flesh lead to long-term misery. A broken marriage covenant produces sorrow, separation, and strife. Marital unfaithfulness leads to broken homes, broken hearts, and broken lives. It never, never, never produces long-term happiness, joy, or lasting satisfaction. Rather, it always yields bitter fruits and destructive results. God has ordained the marriage bond to be the closest and most intimate of all human relationships. He has designed the union between a man and his wife to be the most enjoyable, satisfying, and fulfilling. When that union is violated, when a third party disrupts the marriage bond, when the trust is broken, there is jealousy, anger, pain, and a terrible strain put upon the marriage. What God has designed to be beautiful for the happiness of man, for the enrichment of our lives becomes terribly marred by adultery. Sexual sin sadly disrupts the intimacy, trust, and beauty of the marriage covenant. Well, brothers and sisters, in the passage we've read together, we see how the Lord speaks of His relationship with Israel as that of a marriage. He is the husband. Jerusalem is his bride. The two are bound together by covenant. There was a beautiful relationship between God and Jerusalem. It was the greatest and happiest marriage imaginable. But sadly, the marriage covenant was defiled by the unfaithfulness of the bride. Ezekiel 16 is a story of a beautiful and happy marriage turned sour. 
A wonderful relationship destroyed by sin. A love story shattered by infidelity. The most wonderful, sensitive, considerate, loving husband was rejected for other men. The bride did not cherish the love of her husband. Today, I want us to examine verses 1 through 46, a forsaken baby, a beautiful woman, and a brazen harlot. In these verses, we see the undeserved love of Yahweh, the uncontrolled lust of Jerusalem, and the unfavorable lawsuit against Jerusalem. The first 14 verses are a story in which undeserved love is depicted. We read in verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, and the Lord told him that he had to reveal to Jerusalem her abominations. We've seen in previous chapters that Ezekiel used a variety of means to communicate God's message to his people. Sometimes he acted out his message. Sometimes he preached repentance. Sometimes he communicated the meaning of his dreams and visions. In our passage for today, we see that the Lord told Ezekiel to tell a story. A story as a means of communicating God's displeasure with his people. The story begins by emphasizing the love of God for Jerusalem. A king went out for a walk one day. And while he was walking, he made a terrible discovery. Out in the open field, he found a forsaken baby on the verge of death. The newborn baby was naked, covered with the blood of birth, the navel cord uncut, and she was left in the open field to die. The baby girl had been abandoned in the countryside, unwashed, undressed, and unloved. It was only a matter of time, and the baby would die. We all know how weak and helpless a newborn baby is. They are completely dependent on the care of others for their survival. A baby left out in the field without food and clothing cannot survive for long. As the king looked upon this helpless little girl, he realized that no one loved her, no one pitied her, and she was loathed on the day of her birth. Seeing this helpless, dying baby, the king had compassion and decreed that she should live. He took her from the field, had her washed and fed, and saw to it that all her needs were cared for. She grew to be an attractive young woman. She matured and developed, and her hair grew so that the forsaken, bloody baby in the field became a beautiful woman. Because of the king's compassion and provision, she became a lovely woman. The king now began to love her in a different way. The fatherly love that he showed to her in her youth became the love of a man for a woman. He took her to be his wife, and the two were united in a covenant bond of marriage. Having taken her as his bride, he showered her with costly gifts so that she became a famous queen, known throughout the world for her beauty. The king prized his queen so much that he gave her finely embroidered dresses 
fine linen and silk. He bought her jewelry, bought a beautiful crown on her head. He gave her the finest foods so that she was wonderfully cared for in every way. She became a queen of renown, famous throughout the nations. Congregation, that forsaken baby girl who grew into a beautiful young woman was the nation of Israel, represented here by the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem. God said of them, in the middle of verse 3, have a look there, the middle of verse 3, your birth, your origin, and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. Before David defeated Jerusalem and took possession, the city had been pagan. The inhabitants of the city were Amorites. Hittites dwelt in the land. The Lord said, this was your father and your mother. The city of Jerusalem was of pagan stock. Baby Jerusalem had an Amorite father and a Hittite mother. But baby Jerusalem was like an unwanted, cast-out child, an abandoned baby girl left to die without anyone to care for her. Notice what the Lord said in verse 4. As for your nativity, your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt or wrapped in swaddling cloths. Verse 5. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. Jerusalem was like an unloved baby girl. But the king, the Lord God, saw her condition. He saw her struggling in her blood, and he decreed that she should live. Verse 6. When I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. The Lord raised her up. He chose the city of Jerusalem as his dwelling place. He made it into a place of great beauty. Jerusalem, under the blessing of God, became like a very attractive young woman. Think of the days of David and then the days of Solomon. David began certain building projects and Solomon continued building up Jerusalem so that it became a city of renown. During the reign of Solomon, Jerusalem was a woman beautifully arrayed, dressed in the finest of garments. Jerusalem was as a woman with costly jewels. Solomon brought a massive amount of gold into Jerusalem. His merchant ships brought in all kinds of gold, silver, and ivory. We read in 1 Kings 10 that King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Jerusalem became famous throughout the world. She was rich, beautiful, the envy of the nations. When the queen of Sheba came to investigate the reports about Jerusalem, she said to Solomon, I did not believe the things that I heard until I came and saw it with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told me. 
Scripture says that Solomon made silver as common in Jerusalem as the stones. In congregation, the crown of Jerusalem, verse 12, you see it there? The beautiful crown on her head was the temple of God on Mount Zion. It was the most magnificent structure imaginable. It took thousands of laborers to build. It required great numbers of highly skilled craftsmen. It required cedars from Lebanon, gold, bronze, and so on. It took him seven years to build. The temple was certainly the crown of Jerusalem. All of this beauty and all of these riches were gifts from the king. The king who had taken Jerusalem as his bride. The Lord had spread his wing over Jerusalem, middle of verse 8. He had spread his wing over Jerusalem and covered her nakedness. He swore an oath to her, entered into a covenant with her, and she became the Lord's. He showered her with gifts so that her beauty was known among the nations. Jerusalem was a bride wonderfully cared for, a bride who knew without a doubt the great and unshakable love of her husband. She was secure, protected, and never had reason to doubt his abundant love. What marvelous compassion was shown to Jerusalem. It was not something she earned. For she was very unlovely when God set his eyes upon her. As a child, she was covered with bloody slime. She was a reject, a filthy mess, unloved and unlovely. But God, in his own mercy, according to his own sovereign will, set his love upon her and made her what she was. And brothers and sisters, God's love for Jerusalem was manifested not only in the wealth and prosperity of the city and the beauty of the temple, but even more so in that which the temple signified. The temple was a symbol of what, children? The temple was a symbol of salvation. It was a symbol of forgiveness. It proclaimed the message of free grace for sinners. It proclaimed the atonement, the saving work of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God's love, God's love was written all over Jerusalem, but it was written in capitals and bold letters at the temple. Therefore, Jerusalem was a bride who had every reason to constantly celebrate the love of her husband. She had every reason to be filled with thanksgiving, praise, and adoration. Her life was owed to her husband. Her beauty was owed to her husband. Her fame and security were owed to her husband. She was truly a privileged bride. But then congregation... As we continue in this chapter to verses 15 to 34, we see that trouble arose in the marriage. We can hardly believe it, and yet it is true. The love story turns sour. The queen becomes unfaithful. 
Verses 15 to 34 speak of the uncontrolled lust of Jerusalem, which is point number two, uncontrolled lust. Verse 15 starts with a terrible word. What is it? But. The Lord says, I did this and this and this for you. I took you, rescued you, raised you, washed you, fed you, clothed you, spread my wing over you, swore an oath to you, made a covenant with you, anointed you with oil. But. Look at verse 15. But you trusted in your own beauty played the harlot because of your fame, and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. Verse 16, you played the harlot on the high places. Verse 17, you have also taken your beautiful jewelry, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images, and played the harlot with them. The bride turned to other lovers, to other men. She turned to other gods. The bride began to act like a harlot, a prostitute. Brothers and sisters, when did this begin in Israel's history? When did Jerusalem begin to act like a prostitute? Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11. It began as early as the days of Solomon. When Solomon ruled, Israel was at the peak of her glory. Jerusalem was famous. She prospered. But sadly, Solomon did not remain faithful to the Lord God. 1 Kings 11 begins with that terrible word, but. Have a look. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Verse 2, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Verse 4, for it was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. Verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth and after Milcom. Verse 7, Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And the chapter goes on to speak of God's anger against Solomon and God's punishment for his sin. It is here, congregation, that we find the beautiful woman, Jerusalem, committing acts of harlotry. The bride of Yahweh lusted after other gods and committed adultery with them. Solomon started Israel on a course that became increasingly vile in the sight of God. The religious practices of the neighboring nations were approved in Israel, eventually even to the extent of practicing child sacrifice. Go back, please, to Ezekiel 16. And look with me, please, to verses 20 and 21. 
Solomon introduced idolatrous worship into Israel, and from there it got increasingly worse. Verse 20, Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters, whom you bore to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them, offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire? Jerusalem sacrificed children. Sons and daughters who were in covenant with God were offered up to idols. Sons and daughters who should have been raised to love the messianic promises and to serve the Lord were handed over to their false lovers. God said, they are my children. You have slain my children. You have offered up my children. Furthermore, the Lord went on to criticize Jerusalem for the unholy alliances that were established with the nations. Instead of finding security in her husband, she looked for security in international alliances. Jerusalem became like a woman who offered herself up to everyone who passed by. She committed harlotry with Egypt, Philistia, Assyria, and Babylon. Instead of being a pure bride for the Lord, she became a prostitute for the nations. Her ways became so perverse that instead of receiving payment, as prostitutes commonly do, she actually paid her lovers and hired them to come to her. Verse 34 says, You are the opposite of other women in your harlotry because no one solicited you to be a harlot in that you gave payment, but no payment was given you. Therefore, you are the opposite. The beautiful woman whom God had married became a perverse, loose, rebellious, unfaithful woman. Now, congregation, it's rather easy for us to read these words and say, how could Jerusalem be so ignorant, so ungrateful? How could she become so perverse? But instead of criticizing Jerusalem, perhaps we ought to receive these words as a warning to the church today. The church of the New Testament is also called, what? A bride, the bride of Christ. The church is married to Christ, bound to Him by covenant. As the bride of Christ today, we should ask, are we? faithful to Him. Are we a pure bride? Are we grateful for His incomprehensible love revealed at Calvary? Do we rejoice in our husband who gave himself for us? And do we live for him who died for us? Or are we like an unfaithful wife who shows affection for other men? Are we attracted to the values, lifestyles, and priorities of the world? What kind of a bride are we? Are we completely devoted to Jesus Christ? 
Are we devoted to Him alone? Or are there other things that are more important to us than our Savior? Are we committed to using our gifts and doing what we can to maintain the purity and beauty of the church? Consider, congregation, what the Lord has done for His church. Peter calls us, what? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, called out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. As Israel was compared to a naked, bloody, rejected baby girl, so you, apart from sovereign grace, are naked and filthy in your sin. But the king saw you. He saw you in your misery and set his love upon you. He took you, washed you, and covered you. He made you into a beautiful woman and took you as his bride. He showered you with his gifts and granted you all the riches of his covenant love. He brought you from darkness into his light and called you his own special people. And now the question is, how are you responding to the love of your husband? Are you a pure, faithful bride? Or do you resemble a perverse woman who lusts for other men? Do you treasure the immeasurable love of your husband? Or do you show perverse affection for others? Do you love to worship him on the Lord's day? Or would you rather be working on your hobby? Do you love to hear his word and sing his praises? Or would you rather be relaxing on your couch with your remote? What level of love do you show for your compassionate and faithful husband, Jesus Christ? We need to remember, brothers and sisters, that the apostasy of Jerusalem did not happen overnight. First, she became proud of her success. She became proud of her success. Verse 15 says, have a look there, but you trusted in your own beauty. Instead of using her beauty to honor and please her husband, she became proud and drew attention to herself. Second, she forgot what she had been delivered from. Look at verse 22. And in all your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, struggling in your blood. She forgot her past. She forgot what God had delivered her from. She failed to remember God's acts of tender love. She failed to recall the mercies of the Lord. Pride and forgetfulness produced unfaithfulness and spiritual adultery. Brothers and sisters, as the bride of Christ today, we need to beware of both pride and forgetfulness. 
where the Lord blesses and prospers His church, we need to honor and glorify Him. Him. We always need to remember what we were without Christ. We were hopelessly lost, miserable sinners. We groped about in the darkness and wallowed as pigs in the filth of sin. But in Jesus Christ, we're delivered. Remember your past, congregation. Remember your past. Remember your helpless and hopeless condition. Remember that you are on the road to everlasting forsakenness and unquenchable fire. And then give all praise and honor to Him who delivered you. Show your gratitude and love for Christ. Show your thanksgiving by joyfully worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. There's no other lover who can truly satisfy your soul. Don't forget your past. Remember the great love of Christ by which you were delivered, lest you become an ungrateful, unfaithful bride. O oh, love of God, how strong and true, eternal and yet ever new, uncomprehended and unbought beyond all knowledge and all thought. Remember. Remember. Jerusalem had forgotten. Therefore, in verses 35 to 43, we find a lawsuit against her. Point number three, an unfavorable lawsuit. In these verses, Jerusalem is brought before the judge to hear God's penalty for her crimes. These verses depict a courtroom atmosphere. The woman stands before the judge, as it were, and hears his sentence against her. Follow along with me, please, in your Bibles at verse 35. Now then, O harlot, prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your filthiness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your harlotry with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children which you gave to them, Verse 37, surely therefore I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them from all around against you and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. God said, I'm going to call all your former lovers and I will humiliate I will humiliate you in their sight. I will strip your beautiful garments from you, take away your wealth, remove your jewelry, and leave Jerusalem exposed. That word naked in Hebrew is the same word for exile. When Ezekiel speaks of nakedness, he's talking about the coming exile. The beautiful woman who was once famous among the nations, would be totally humiliated. Jerusalem would be brought into exile, the city would be demolished, and the beautiful crown, the temple, would be destroyed. Verses 38 to 40 tell us that the Lord's sentence against Jerusalem was according to the law of Moses. 
According to Old Testament law, an adulteress was to be what? Put to death. An unfaithful wife was to be cut off from the people of God. That is precisely what was declared concerning Jerusalem. Verse 40 says that she would be stoned to death. And after stoning, her dead body would be cut up with the sword. God said, verse 41b, I will make you cease playing the harlot, and you shall no longer hire lovers. What we see in this lawsuit, congregation, is the righteous wrath of a jealous husband. The righteous wrath of a jealous husband. God could not tolerate such behavior in His bride. The Lord said in the second commandment of the Decalogue, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He's righteously jealous to protect his marriage relationship. Because Jerusalem became a prostitute, the Lord condemned her to death. Her possessions were to be removed, her property destroyed, her body stoned and cut in pieces. The conclusion of the court was that Jerusalem had forsaken her husband, scorned his love, and forfeited the right to a relationship with him. The bride was condemned for her sin. Dear people of God, I ask once again, what kind of a bride are we? Are we a grateful bride or an ungrateful bride? A faithful bride or a prostituting bride? Do we rightly respond to the love of our husband or do we long for and pursue the pleasures and priorities of this world? The Apostle John said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. You cannot, listen, you cannot be married to the Lord and at the same time love the world. If you do, God will condemn you as an unfaithful bride. Brothers and sisters, as we ponder these things, we come to see how utterly dependent we are upon Jesus Christ. Without Him, we're guilty of adultery, utterly defiled and worthy of death. Jesus told the covenant people of His day that they were what? An evil and adulterous generation. An evil and adulterous generation. That's what we are without our Savior and without the work of the Spirit within us. We sin against the God who loved us and cares for us. We rebel against Him, ignore Him, and lust longingly after the world. We eagerly follow after sin and iniquity. In ourselves, we're no better than the prostitute Jerusalem. We are a harlot who has turned away from her faithful husband. But congregation, 
The promise of the gospel is that when we repent and flee to Jesus Christ, all our sin is taken away. The Apostle Paul spoke these beautiful words in Ephesians 5. Please hear these words. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Through faith in the crucified Christ we are washed We are cleansed. We're given the pure white garment of a sinless bride. It is those who are pure in Jesus Christ. We may look forward to the future dwelling, our future dwelling place in the new Jerusalem where all sin and iniquity are done away with. All the abominations of the old Jerusalem and all the abominations of Ezekiel's day will be gone. Instead, it will be the perfect dwelling place of God with his people, the bridegroom and the bride. Revelation 21 says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Through Jesus Christ, we may be part of the new Jerusalem. We may be a beautiful bride adorned for her husband. Brothers and sisters, Ezekiel 16 is a solemn warning to the church not to be unfaithful, as Jerusalem was unfaithful. It is a call to examine our lives, our attitudes, and our priorities. It is a call to serve the Lord with all your heart and hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. But it is also an important reminder to look beyond yourself to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ who loved the church and gave himself for her. Do you treasure the gospel? Do you treasure the gospel? I call you again this day to fully embrace your Savior, Jesus Christ. Through him, and through him alone, you are a pure, spotless bride, a beautiful woman adorned for her husband, a pure bride by grace alone. Let's pray. Lord, what a wonder that you would come to us 
in the person of Jesus Christ. That you would come to us in our sin, wallowing in the mire. That you would come and take us and make us clean and clothe us and make us into a beautiful bride. It's beyond our comprehension. We who are so unfaithful, so self-centered, so often attracted to the world and the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We who by nature would be rejected forever. But Lord, in Jesus Christ, we are given all the blessings of life eternal and all the privileges of being called the bride of Christ. So Lord, we look forward to the day when all the struggle of sin in this life will be gone and that because of Jesus Christ we will be a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We look forward to the day when we will stand before you, the bride, before the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, celebrating forever that beautiful union, celebrating your covenant love and faithfulness. Forgive us, Lord, when we like Jerusalem, resemble an unfaithful wife. Forgive us when we look longingly toward what the world offers us. Bring us to repentance again and again and again. That, Lord, we may stand before you one day as that redeemed bride. Lord, while we are here, help us to be faithful. Help us, each and every one of us here, to examine our lives. Help us to examine our priorities. And oh Lord, may we hold fast the confession of our hope. Receive our praises as we conclude here. Bless our discussions with one another that we may assist one another, apply these words in our fellowship time together. In the name of our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.